Hello, everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. Feel free to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the True Path Podcast. So today we're discussing a parable, the parable of the wedding banquet from Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Now, I can remember years ago when my family was invited to a wedding. It was for a family member who lived out of state. Now, as I was packing up and getting ready for the wedding, I can remember putting the clothes that Greg and I were going to wear into a hanging bag and hanging it on the back of the closet door to get it out of the way while I packed the rest of our bags. Then we loaded the car and off we went to the wedding, which was about six hours away. Now, it wasn't until we got to the hotel that I realized the bag with our wedding clothes in it was still at home, hanging on my closet door. The only things we had with us to wear were jeans and t-shirts, and you can't attend a wedding dressed like that. So an hour and a half before the wedding, we ran to the nearest department store to see if we could find proper attire. Now, fortunately, we were able to find the right clothes and just barely made it to the wedding. Now, in today's passage, Jesus is going to describe a wedding banquet where wearing the proper attire is of utmost importance. So let's read Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to summon those invited to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went away, one to his own farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent out tr- sent out his troops, killed those murderers, and burned down their city. Then he told his servants, The banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go then to where the roads exit the city, and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those servants went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So I believe context is key here to truly understanding the significance of this passage. Now, first, Jesus told this parable during Passion Week, the last week of his life. So it's no surprise that his focus and teaching is on the kingdom of heaven. And if we look back at the last verse of chapter 21, we find that Jesus is addressing the chief priests and Pharisees, the cultural elites. Now, why is this important? Well, because the chief priests were primarily made up of Sadducees, which was a Jewish sect of the ruling class, and they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They did not believe in an afterlife. There was no heavenly kingdom waiting for them. See Matthew twenty-two twenty-three. And the Pharisees, they believed that their oral tradition was just as binding as scripture. So they did believe in an afterlife, and they believed in God but it was only according to their own terms. 
Mark 7, 8 says, you abandon the commandment of God and hold a human tradition. So Jesus addresses both of these issues in this parable, that God's kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And to be a part of it, you must come on his terms, not your own. In this parable, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God which refers to God's universal reign over all things and the fulfillment of his will in all things. The kingdom of heaven is both a present and a future reality. People presently enter God's kingdom through salvation, and God's rule is manifested through the lives of his people. But it also will reach its complete culmination in the future. This is what my Bible dictionary says. It says kingdom citizens currently dwell alongside inhabitants of the kingdom of darkness. God will eventually dispel all darkness. The final inheritance of the citizens of God's kingdom is yet to be fully realized. The resurrection body for life in the eschatological kingdom is a blessing awaiting culmination. So Jesus in this passage is directly refuting those who believe there is no afterlife. Life does go on after our time on this earth ends. For the Christian, it will be an eternal life of joy and peace in heaven with Jesus. And for the unbeliever, it will be an eternal life of pain and regret apart from Jesus. So what we do, think, and feel here has an impact on our lives there. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure here, we will reign with him there. Matthew 6.20 tells us that we can store up here on earth treasures for ourselves in heaven. All that to say that what we do here on earth can have an eternal impact. So let's live our lives with heaven in view. Now, obviously, the king in this parable is God and the son is Jesus, and he's given his son a wedding banquet. Now, some scholars take a more literal view of this passage and say that the banquet or feast refers to the millennial kingdom in which Christians will gather for the marriage feast of the Lamb in Revelation 19. While other scholars take a more figurative approach and they say that the banquet refers to being a part of God's present kingdom with all the joys and blessings that come, come along with it. Now, personally, I think both views are correct. I mean, the joys and blessings that we experience as a part of God's kingdom are both now and future. So in verse three, we find that the king sent his servants to summon those invited to come to the banquet, but they didn't want to come. Now, first of all, this is a banquet given by a king for his son's wedding. So I can imagine no expense was spared. I mean, imagine how lavish and opulent it must have been. And the guests didn't want to come? I mean, they've received a personal invitation by the king himself to join him in the enormous celebration and partake of his vast bounty. And yet they refused? Not only that, but to refuse a direct invitation from the king was an extreme insult and an affront to the king's authority. Now, the people who have been invited represent the Jews the Jewish people. Scripture's clear. God raised up the nation of Israel for himself. The revelation of salvation through Jesus was revealed to them first. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes, 
first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. But the Jewish people rejected God. Jeremiah 1.16 says, I will pronounce judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods and worshiping what their hands have made. And in verses 4 through 6, we find, again, he sent out other servants and said, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But they paid no attention and went away, one to his own farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged, and he sent out troops and killed the murderers and burned down their city. So a second time, the king sends other servants to basically let them know how wonderful this banquet's going to be. Now, the servants in this passage are the prophets and the apostles who were sent by the Lord to proclaim Messiah's coming and salvation through him. But they still refused to come. And why? I mean, what was going on in their lives that would prevent them from accepting this most wonderful of invitations? Their jobs? their farms and businesses? You see, they let their day-to-day activities distract them from what was truly important. They had an opportunity to be a part of the greatest event ever, the king's son's wedding feast, and to partake of the king's incredible generosity and graciousness. But they couldn't tear themselves away from what they were doing at that moment. So some were just too busy to come. Maybe because they didn't realize the magnitude of what they were being offered. Matthew Henry says multitudes perish through mere callousness, not direct aversion, but just a prevailing indifference to the matter of their souls. So I think the invited guest refused to acknowledge how important the invitation was. They saw no value in it which was probably why it was so easy for them to go back to their farms and businesses. I mean, the king clearly wanted them to come. He sent servants out twice to summon them. He prepared everything in advance for them. Everything is ready, the verse says. So it took no effort or toil on their part. I mean, all they had to do was accept the invitation. Jesus has accomplished all that is needed for salvation. He lived the perfect life that we never could and offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Do we remember how valuable and precious that that is? Have we allowed the busyness of daily life to distract us from remembering how fortunate we are to be a part of God's kingdom? I mean, when was the last time that we just took a moment and pondered all the privileges that come with being a part of God's kingdom? Pardon from sin, favor from God, the peace of our conscience, eternal life in heaven, the fruits of the Spirit, access to the throne of grace. I think our outlook on life would be a whole lot brighter if we took a few moments every day and thanked God for these things and meditated upon them. So while some guests in our passage were apathetic to the invitation, others They were just plain hostile to it. They seized the servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Now, many prophets were hurt or killed for their message. Acts 7.52 says, Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? 
They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. So there are two types of unbelievers, those who are indifferent to the things of God, who aren't really paying attention, and those who are adversarial to the things of God. And verse 7 says the king was enraged by the people's response and sent troops and killed the murderers and burned their city. So one thing can be said about this king. He is a fierce protector of his servants and does not take kindly to those who abuse them. Psalm 145.20 says, The Lord keeps all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. Psalm 37.28, For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever. And Psalm 37.38, But transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The prosperity of the wicked will be cut off. So God's word is clear. Those who do harm to God's followers will be held accountable. And this is a picture of God's dealing with Israel's rejection. Most scholars believe that verse 7 is specifically referring to A.D. 70, when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. So, if the king's invited guests refuse to come, then he will extend his invitation elsewhere. In verses 8-10, through 10, it says, Then he told his servants, The banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go then to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So those servants went out on the roads and gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. So the Jewish people, for the most part, refused the gospel. So then God presented the gospel to the Gentiles. Everyone you find, the verse says. Matthew 28:19 Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations. The invitation was extended to everyone, those who were seen as good, the morally correct, and evil, open sinners. The gospel is available to all people, no matter how they look or act. We must never make assumptions about a person's ability to hear the gospel. I mean, we can never assume that if a person acts a certain way or thinks a certain way or chooses a particular lifestyle, that they would never be able or willing to hear and accept the gospel message of salvation through Jesus. If God's invitation extends to all, then we should witness to all without any preconceived notions about who or who or might not, who might or might not accept the invitation. And in verses 11 through 14, it goes on to say, When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. The, then the king told the attendants, Tie him up hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So many from the highways and byways came. The banquet was filled, but one man at the banquet wasn't properly dressed for the wedding. Now, this reaction seems to be a pretty extreme for a seemingly small infraction. I mean, tie him up and throw him into outer darkness just because he's not dressed the right way? I mean, what's really going on here? Well, first of all, let's remember the character of the king. He has tremendous love for his son to throw this lavish banquet for him. This is a very important and personal celebration. 
and yet he wants to share it with people right off the street. And because they came straight in from the highways and byways without time to prepare, it stands to reason that they all arrived without proper attire for a wedding. Now, traditionally in that culture, clothes were often given to the guests of wealthy people. Kings often showed their generosity to their guests by presenting them with clothes. It was a sign of honor and special favor. See 1 Samuel 18, 3 and 4. So this speaks to the extreme wealth and generosity of the king. I mean, there was an unspecified number of people invited to this banquet, and yet the king had enough attire to clothe everyone in royal wedding clothes, and everyone at the banquet availed themselves of the king's most generous gift, except for one man. He chose not to wear what was being provided for him. Now, the wedding clothes represents the covering of the righteousness of Jesus Christ upon salvation. Isaiah 61.10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. So the man in the parable, he chose not to wear the clothes. He accepted the invitation to come, but it was on his own terms. I mean, he wanted to be at the feast, but he also wanted to keep on his old clothes. He showed up, but he wasn't truly a guest. He made no commitment to be there. The guests came just as they were, but they couldn't stay just as they were. They needed to take off their old clothes and accept the new ones. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There are many people today who sit in our churches, who are involved in Christian activities, who profess to be Christians, but have never truly placed their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. They have no personal relationship with him. And God knows the difference. You can't fool him. You cannot be a Christian because you go to church. You cannot be a Christian because your parents are and you were raised that way. The only way to become a Christian is through a commitment to following Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I think the man thought that he could just show up without truly taking part and yet still partake of all the goodies at the banquet. But God's kingdom doesn't work that way. True salvation involves surrendering one's life to Jesus' lordship and being clothed in his righteousness. Matthew 7.21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. So being a good person, that does not gain access to heaven. Only a personal relationship with Jesus does. Maybe the man thought he didn't need the wedding clothes, or maybe he didn't want to give up his old clothes. But I know that every guest at that banquet would say what they got was far greater than what they had to give up. I mean, giving up old street clothes for the royal robes of a king? Who wouldn't want that? I think many people think like this man that they will have to give up a lot or stop having fun if they become followers of Jesus. But the reality is that what we gain from Jesus 
is beyond anything this world could ever provide. But the man, he refused that. And so he was judged accordingly. He was thrown out into the darkness. For many are invited, but few are chosen. There is only one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. And those who refuse this will not have access to heaven. Many are invited. Many are called to salvation. It's open to everyone. But only a few are willing to give up their temporal flesh life, their old clothes, for the sake of their eternal soul life, the new clothes. Matthew Henry says the reason why sinners do not come to Christ is not because they cannot, but because they will not. Many will hear the gospel message proclaimed, but only a few will truly believe. John Wesley said many are members of the visible, but few are members of the invisible church. So, which one are you? Have you made the commitment to accept Jesus' free gift of salvation and been clothed in his righteousness? And for those of us who have, are we truly partaking of all that God's kingdom has to offer? Because that's our challenge this week, to ask ourselves the question, what's missing from our Christian walk? Is it joy? Is it peace? Could it be wisdom? And let's seek God's direction and ask that he might help us to grow in these areas. Because God has made available to us all everything we need for fulfilled lives of godliness. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.